Before we play you this week's podcast, we just wanted to tell you that tickets have now gone on sale for QPR Podcast Live. We think it's our seventh or eighth live podcast. Every year we get together at the end of the season with a live studio guest in front of a live audience. Previous guests have included Neil Warnock, Trevor Sinclair, Mark Bircham, Lee Cook, various others. Uh, names will be announced in due course, uh, but you can get your tickets. They're £10 in advance. We're ha- holding the live podcast at the Roundhouse in Camden. And if you go onto our website, qprpod.co.uk, click at the top on QPR Podcast Live. You can join us there on Tuesday, the 8th of May. Hello and welcome to Open All Eyes, the QPR podcast run by fans for fans. First of all, we've got a live pod coming up in the 8th of May at the Roundhouse in Camden. Please go online and get your tickets. You can find us anywhere you want on Facebook and Twitter. Come along, it's going to be a great crack. We've got Clint Hill. Kevin Gowan always turns up, so he'll be there. And we'll be there and we'll have a we'll have a good night. And we can always, if the season flatters out, it doesn't matter. We'll keep it going in our dreams. So turn up, have a chat, have a laugh. It's all about the Rangers. Right. Tonight is a special podcast. Uh, it's not just about football, it's about other things involved in football. So first of all, may I welcome again the legend of the current Scepter, the legend of Law for Words, the, l- the, the legend of everything, Clive Whitnam. Wow, that's ridiculous build-up, but hi. The reason why I'm doing that is because I mentioned to certain people I might do boxing training and, and Clive laughed. So I'm trying to get him on side. I think everybody's laughing at that, right? They probably are. Um, Paul Zenon, welcome. First time on our podcast, QPR fan from Acton and a writer. Absolutely delighted to be on here. Thank you very much. And hello to all the Ars fans out there. Stick with it. We're going to win at some point. <laughs> spoken, like a tr- <laughs> spoken like a true QPR fan. Now, I've kind of thought about how I introduced our last guest and all same way you introduced Paul no no you're alright big man the, the, I say it's a Belfast thing by the way it doesn't mean you're overweight because <laughs> the seat this size your hands and I just want to put that out there okay before this comes any further I get misconstrued your training starting early yeah. so. Jesus we don't know when they um, is it not he- all heroes wear capes and certainly not all put on capes to go to a boxing ring to fight in the memory of their son and the tragedy that took him from our earth. You are a proper gentleman and a legend. Welcome, Mark Prince, to our humble podcast. We're so pleased you could spend the time to come and see us today. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. Where's the sound effects? I go, ah. <laughs> Ooh, that party stuff. We had, we had those on after. We've got a very tidy budget. <laughs> in fact we could just about afford water before we go on and talk about Mark and Paul about everything I've got to talk about Saturday we should talk about Saturday we have to talk about Saturday Clive mm-hmm. oh you just want me to set sail on Saturday do you um, okay well a couple of things um, I mean we'll come on to the team selection and why we made so many changes and why he fiddles about when things are going well um, but I thought Preston you may not have liked watching them, 
Um, but that's a team <coughs> operating on the third lowest budget in the league that have lost five away games this season. Oh, okay. And only Wolves, who are champions and have spent a load of money, have lost fewer away games. And I thought you could see why. Because when they had their moments in the game, when they were on top, they made the most of it. They looked like they were going to score. They got a couple of goals. They won disallowed. And when they didn't have their moments in the game, when we were on top, they stood their ground and they were horrible to play against. Physical team. Kind of like that loaded team. Well, exactly. And then once they'd got in front, final 10 minutes of the game, they were obviously horrendously cynical and ran the clock down. And with a different referee, they wouldn't have been allowed to do that. But like I say, they've only lost five away games all season. So with a different referee, they probably would have found another way. They're a team that finds a way to win away from home. And when you compare that to our away record with only three wins all season, when we're on top, we don't score. 27 Mm. shots at Reading, no goal. When we're not on top, we concede too easily, four goals at Hull, and we're not nasty enough. They were round that referee, they're in his face all the time, they're intimidating him. You may not like it, but like I say, third lowest budget in the league, five away defeats all season. We've got to learn from that. We shouldn't be bitching and whining about it. They were better than us tactically, and they deserve to win. I could not agree with you more. Um, I kind of annoyed because that's, that's, that's how I remember our best days on the Holloway when he first came, is getting in people's faces, doing anything the right way winning games when you probably shouldn't have won them, but most of all, intimidation. And sometimes Loftus Road isn't as... But, I'm, okay, before we get on to Mark and everything else, I kind of put myself in the mould of... And it's Paul Smith. It's not Smythe, or whatever the people say. It's Smith. We just spell it differently in Northern Ireland. Anyway, sometimes. And Silla. Cracking game against Wednesday. Suddenly you're not on the team. What... I don't. Is that I just don't get it. And he doesn't. He doesn't do himself any favors. He overthinks, particularly when things are going well. He overthinks and he makes too many changes. Now you can make a case for Ingram, I think, because he hasn't played any football. It's just an asset sitting there on the bench, not playing. Uh, and Smithies, Mrs. Smithies, is dropping a sprog this weekend. I think so. He's that means pro- in translation, she's having a child. Good luck to them. Yes, and very good luck to them as well. Yeah, absolutely, but he's probably not going to be available for Brentford. So you can make a case for Ingram. Scowan has played a lot. Wait a second, my child was born and I made it to Peterborough. Yeah, my dad was at the Newcastle game when I was born, when Mm. the 5 5. Not judging. That was quite the start. But anyway, so you can make a case for Ingram. Scowan played a lot of football, maybe looked a bit tired, could do with a rest. Freeman has looked tired lately, played a lot of football, could do with a rest. Maybe not make all these changes at once, but you can make a case for those. But I can't make a case for leaving Smith and Silla out. And like you say, what does that, what does the little kid think? You know, they put Mm. him in against Chef Wednesday, scored your goal, won the game, played brilliantly. What's your reward? benched and I just it's so frustrating and it must be frustrating for him um the thing I the other thing I would say in Holloway's defense is everyone says just pick your best 11 but if you asked everybody what their best 11 was everyone would come up with a different you know we don't have a best 11 do we because some people think Manning should play everybody thinks Scowan, Luongo, Freeman should play but people want Manning to play people want Bright to play people want Easy to play Smith Big Smith, Silla, you can't play them all. So there does have to be a degree of rotation. But I think coming off a win like Sheffield Wednesday, making five changes, leaving out the two players that scored three of the goals, I think it sends the wrong message. I don't think teams respond to that many changes well. Um, and he doesn't help himself. No. I'm on his side, but he doesn't help himself. We're all on his side. We won't do well. Just to clarify, sort of about my daughter being born, okay? It was a Zarian. And I left my partner into the hospital, ran off to Peterborough, came back the next day and was a dad. 
It's great. Apart from the fact we lost four one and Danny Shitty got sent off. Anyway. That's why you need sound effects now. Yeah. <laughs> Super dad. Did you ever apply for a job, Mark, in the BBC sound department that you never got? It's lived with you for quite a long time. Is, is, it, is it something that's driving you towards the BBC? <laughs> Nothing at all. Right, Mark. Anything but the BBC. Or ITV or Channel 5, for that matter. And there's other channels available that are equally crap. Mark, we've got to talk about Cayenne. We've got to talk about what happens. Um, Do you know uh, what? As you were, as you were talking... I was wishing that QPR would take a leaf out of my book. Real nice guy outside the ring. When I get in there to do business, I'm serious and I'm looking to win any way necessary. Like my man said, you've got to find any way it is to win, you find that way to win. QPR could take a lot out of my character from Prince of Peace. Can I also book. add on there as well that uh, Mark was at the Wednesday game the other week. And uh, the last time he went to a game was about 1965. So he, he, he went there and they scored three goals in 15 minutes, which is unheard of. It's like, you know, sort of a, a first try being scored in a rugby match. And that shouldn't happen that quick with, uh, with, uh, with Rangers. But he was there and he, he, I'm telling you now, the Prince of Peace bought QPR luck. He needs to have a complimentary season ticket. Oh, right. My <laughs> missus was so excited and brought the boys along as well. And they was over the moon, mate. Trust me. Really? <laughs> yeah, what? They was... do, you st- do you still look out for the Rangers results, obviously, because of your connection with the club and everything it's else? It's a connection with the club. Mm. That's just a connection with the club, because I'm, I'm not even following. I'm so wrapped up in this stuff with helping young people and just my commitment to building KPF. I haven't even got time for, to, for mm. much things for myself. I really was talking to Paul, so I need a, I need a rest, man. <laughs> Sometimes it's so You driven. look tired. Yeah, I am. That's what someone said to me yesterday. I'm right, like a take it, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you know, you're, you're probably right, mate. I believe. I didn't Yeah, yeah. No, so, so, but going back to the, if you don't mind, if because yeah, no, no, I know it's, it. it's your tragedy. We're fans. We see it yeah. completely differently. No we doubt. didn't have your pain, big man. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. If you could go back you. to the day, yeah. what happened, and how you, and what made you become the book back okay. in the ring, if you could, please. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The days, the days, always difficult. The days, always a, a, a heart wrencher and rips your guts out. Um, so, what I normally do when I speak about it, uh, I try to just skate over it. You know, the, the phone call, the the going down the hospital. Um, you know, and I, what I would do at this point is say, "Don't listen to me. Get the Prince of Peace. Get the book." Read all about it yourself. How many R fans have we got? What's the stadium holding, Paul? How much? 18,000. So let's say half of you can't be bothered to read. At least half of you can. So about 7,000 books should be sold from the QPR fans. So I'm encouraging you, get out there, read that book, um, find out how this journey went uh, from the bottom right all the way to the top to, to meeting all of these different individuals to make changes because what people got to remember when you're going through this traumatic pain that your son's lost all you want to do is die because you can't see how you're going to keep going each day you can't keep living like this you start imagining am i ever going to laugh again am i ever going to see the old me like that person that you was before you're not going to be that guy again and this is who, this is the new you, and it's, it's miserable. It's too painful 
to want to think about the next day and the next day and the next day. So, you know, for me, I couldn't see this. Um, I couldn't see this. I couldn't see this. And it didn't matter that I had a dream in 2004 to write a book. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to write a book. It didn't matter that it happened before Kyan died. The fact was nothing mattered after Kyan died. No, nothing made, nothing was of any value, nothing was of any sense. Only the things that you realised really mattered was like your family, um, stupid, petty arguments. It's just, you just, it changed you. You just looked at life different. Um... And then I started wondering, I wonder how I'm going to be now. Now all this stuff's happening and as the journey's gone on, I'm finding out what, what I'm going to be like. I'm finding out if I can laugh on my belly again and if I can have fun and without feeling guilty or, you know, memories that you got with your, of your son. You get a little annoyed, they start diminishing, they're not as clear as they, they used to be. Then you've got less... Um, and you, you know, you can't picture him as clearly. That's why I used to smell him so much and sniff his clothes so much after he was gone. Because I needed something. I used to keep little clips and stuff like that. And you just want to see him moving. You want to see his movement. Um, that's that's really difficult. Like, and sometimes it hits you. You just get in the mood. Like, you just want to see my son. I just want to be around my son. And you can't, man. Mm. you can't and that you don't ever get over that so I don't care how well you do I don't care how strong you are you ain't ever getting over that and that that, that's some tough shit to deal with every day just just, uh, I want to add on to that I mean it's it's, uh, Mark's not sort of skating over it just because he's trying to plug the book it's um, the detail in there is extremely intense it really is um from the day the phone call comes through uh, every second and every minute from there on for about the next 24 hours is uh, is going to send you almost into shock it's 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 almost a horrible read and i mean that in a, in a descriptive way um of course w- when we went through it there was a lot of stopping and starting there's a lot of tears a lot of deep breaths and, and writing it back afterwards you know um you, you'd have to be emotionless not to get stirred up by what i was writing there mm. and um uh, whether you've lost um, a, ch- a child in the way that Mark has had to and, and, and Tracy, um, Kyan's mum, or you haven't, it will stir your emotions without a doubt. It's, it's a very, very harrowing 24-hour read um, of that particular moment of, 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 uh, of Mark's life. Mm. I mean, th- 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 I mean, I, I talked to you about this last week. I mean, I got a phone call. Not that I'm making this in any way yeah. about me, Mark. Sorry. Yeah, man. I'm not, roll, I'm roll. not get crashed this at all. We're all brothers, man. We're all family, man. And, Let's um, talk about what we've gone through, you know? Because I don't know how the press managed to get hold of me, but they did. Yeah. And I spoke to Joe and broke the news to Joe and stuff yeah. like that. And it's just, it was horrendous. And then it's as my own daughter grows. My yeah. daughter's 16 this year. Wow. Um, and you kind of think to yourself, I just, like you just said, the smell, the everything, and the, the memories and, and stuff, it's just, I would not be able to get out of bed. Um, because, you know, people, it's really weird. I was talking to a mate about this today, and I was saying to him, like, when, before I had my child, people say to me, you know, you jump in front of a bullet for your child. 
And coming from Belfast, that was a pretty dodgy thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, you're just like, oh, I'm not going to test that out too far. I'm not going to go home for a while yet. I'll stay in Labrador Grove for a while. Um, and, yeah, when, when you hold that child, when you see your, your mum, their grandmother, smiling, when you see the joy they bring you, yeah, you change. And I love the fact that everyone I spoke to about Kayan, was just like, he loved football. He Trust. loved wearing that QPR shirt. Trust me. People in the youth team just could not believe how much energy and passion he had for Rangers. Exactly. Can I just add to, to, to Mark's and, and Tracy's support? Because when it happened, um, you know, I hope you don't mind me saying, Mark, but you, obviously yeah. you were in pieces for a long time, yeah. for many months, yeah. and um, you know, incapable of living a normal life, which is, is understandable. But, yeah. but the love from the QPR family was yeah. un. Believable, and can also add as well. I mean, you know, it's, it's almost sort of blasphemous to say, but um, one of the first letters that actually hit the, um, uh, which was sent to, to Tracy, Mark, and the family, was actually from Arsene Wenger from Arsenal, um, because Kyan was, uh, a, despite yeah. playing for QPR, was actually an Arsenal fan. So, um, oh, yeah. Tracy, right. he loved him. I right. didn't really play against us, but I get the point. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was one of the first letters that come through that. from Arsene Wenger, and that that letters at, at, at Tracy's house. But um, I. When I was a kid, I, I used to play football with uh, the Gallons, uh, Kevin, uh, Joseph and Stephen in there. And so was I'm, he I'm, greedy then, Kevin? Yeah, he was, he was a talented kid. I always remember his dad, Jim, sort of saying, look, you know, have a look at him. And you could always see he was a bit special. But all three of them were, were, were fantastic. Yeah. And they were a lovely family. And uh, like I said, he grew up sort of just down the road from them. And um, it's funny because, you know, Joe, I think, had obviously sort of forgotten that time there because I more likely for me to remember them than them remember me because, you know, n- nothing happened for me in terms of a media perspective. But... I, I met Joe for Mark's book and um, we met in Acton just around the corner from where we'd sort of grown up and uh, we, we had a nice sort of long lunch and, and, and went through the day. And it all started off, you know, just sort of like talking about, so, you know, when, when you first met Kyan and memories, etc. And, you know, as Joe sort of had, had mentioned um, in the book as well, you know, it, it got quite emotional, you know. Mm. So uh, Joe did, you know, I, I did, of course, you know, it's, it's a very 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 spiky subject to tackle but the gallons were, were fantastic with with the prince family um the, the, you, again you read about it in the book in terms of what qpr did sort of financially in every other way but for the book as well paul furlong um con- contributed oh, he's a brilliant fellow mark can tell you a bit more about him in a second because they were actually in the same year at school together no yeah um, well, he was in that school class as well really? guy called calvin calvin I'll talk to you about it in a second. Mark probably beat him up. Um, but, um, and then, um, I don't know. <laughs> and then uh, there was uh, obviously um, Andy Sinton contributed to it. Um, okay. Andy Evans. So the, the, the Ars family was absolutely phenomenal. It really was. But, um, it was. but yeah. I mean, Joe, Joe was, I remember because Joe really talked about Kyan a lot because Joe didn't do that about a lot of players, but he was like, you've got to keep it on this kid. He's, he's pretty special. He's, he's, he's got a good ability. Um, I loved when I saw the football team in their football gear, all his mates down when they come down at the funeral. That was that was awesome. Yeah, it was all down the sides because there was nowhere to sit. Was there? That's real respect as well to do that. Um, yeah. And do you know what? Like, I didn't expect to be coming down and getting all bloody emotional and stuff. No, you're all right. We're gonna we're gonna lift it up a wee bit here. Yeah, cool. Boxing. Talk me through it, right? Is it is it the kind of... I mean, listen, I went to boxing once. And, this is true, by the way, Clive. Mm. I tried boxing once in Belfast. It fickin' hurt. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Got in the ring with this fella. It's he horrible. kicked the absolute shite out of me. It's horrible. Um, 
But you, you, you did it for so many years. You, you got to the top. I got hit in the nose. I was like, what the hell? Is you that? serious? Even it's, you? I hated getting hit. It's horrible, man. Getting hit in my nose. Like, what, what? 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 This is what they deal with. <laughs> my, your eyes. I was rocking. This didn't happen. No, man. This it was no fun. I didn't like it. And the body shots. Oh my days. Body shots. After I got a body shot, it was like hit me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> so body shots are horrible. When you went back to it, how did you find that after so many years? Because I've read the quote. I don't know if it's it's yeah. correct or not. Where you said that when you first did it, you weren't really hungry enough, even though you got to the very top of where yeah. you wanted to be. And then when oh, you came- I was hungry. I was hungry. It was that I made a decision that I was not going to continue this other life that I was leading because I knew it wasn't going anywhere. And once I made a decision to start another path, I'm, I go all in, 100%. There is no taking your foot off the, the gas. So I gave 100%, probably not even realising fully what I was, what I was really achieving because my focus was like this. i got to do this. i got to make it. So even when I was achieving, I wasn't celebrating fully every achievement because all I could see is there's a finishing line and it's being world champ. Yeah, that makes my first boxing match sound a bit crap. Can I, can I just say as well, uh, it, whether you're into boxing or not, you've got to appreciate these stats. So you hear about the likes of Lomachenko in there, 350 mm. fights and this, that, and mm. the other. So Mark had nine amateur fights and uh, he almost set a record That's by a, a novice. As, as, as a novice. And he got to the ABA finals. He was, mm. he was in with, you know, beat the likes of Chris Oko. Mark was a formidable amateur who in his first fight, in all intents and purposes, Mark, you were pretty much windmilling, weren't you? I mean, yeah. it, it was quite entertaining yeah. to look at Did it. He? Yeah. yeah. I, I tried that. <laughs> you got because I just I, I had to win. And what yeah. I said, you, you know, you got to have that winning mentality. And and sometimes it's not even about being the best. You don't have to be. Uh, let me give you an example. Is the lion the biggest animal? Is 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 the lion the greatest? Really, the animal out in the jungle. There's loads of animals that have got attributes that's better than the lions. What makes the lion stand out and what makes him rule is his mindset. Everything he looks at, he sees that as food. You could be dinner. But when other people see him, they know his mindset, they know his attitude that this guy could come and eat me. And they don't have that attitude. So you, you can only be the king of the jungle with that mindset and that attitude. And you can only develop winning mentality with that mindset. So QPR, develop a winning mentality. Manager, develop that within your team. That should be the focus. Well, you're, you're going around now to football teams yourself, aren't you? Speaking to the, the up-and-coming youth within. So you were at Leighton Orient recently, weren't you? Yeah, I, had, um, I think more football teams should be um, inviting me in there because there's a lot going on with our young people. Arsenal rang me and said, listen, we've got guys on six figures. They're not playing. They've got great contracts, but they're trying to mess both sides of life. They're trying to be on the streets and mess around and they're trying to be in football I'll do it for five figures by the way oh, so what seriously yeah. man got, we I'll set them up with a, a house we set up their girlfriend we, we do everything we can and they're still messing around and not staying focused how can you not be focused you know why because you're not hungry you've got every flipping thing 
you got the house. I didn't. I had shit to work towards when I was boxing. Yeah. I wanted to buy my house. I wanted to buy this nice car. That means I had to stay focused. If you gave that to me first, then I feel like I made it. So these young ballers, they feel like they made it. They're not giving 100% on the pitch, I'm telling you. When you look at the state that the city is in, particularly with knife crime and with your work with your foundation and whatever, I mean, not what is the answer, but yeah, of course. What, what, what is the answer? What, where have we gone wrong? <laughs> where have we gone wrong, though? Yeah, this is, you, you know, going deep, man. Um, you know, I got, I got uh, the understanding uh, for all of that and it, and, and, and it is quite deep and it is quite layered. Um, but, but let's focus on young people and let's focus on solutions because I've been talking about where we've gone wrong and we could do that and spend loads of time and everyone's hearing all of that on the radio, everyone's hearing all of that on the news, everyone's hearing stuff and it's always about what's gone wrong and the, 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 what the problem is is that we're focusing on the problem. We're not focusing on solutions. If you're if you've got a company and you're building your company and you want it to grow, you have to look at the solution. You have to look at, uh, if you've got an illness, you've got to look at what is the underlying causes, how did it begin before you can understand how to treat it. So the question's right, but after they find out what is wrong and what's happening and people like me t- tell them, they're not addressing the solutions. It's like they just want to discuss Mm. So if they brought up the police, what do the police need to do? And I will say something so practical. And it's not give them 45 million to do stop and search. It's not come down hard on the young people because that's not the answer. That's That's putting a Band-Aid on the situation. You're not trying to address the issue. So nothing's going to change. If the police start looking at how they police and how they deal with young people, that might help things. If they start looking at how they can start building trust within communities, that might start actually helping the situation. But they don't want to look at that. What they want to do is talk about receiving more money. This is why this whole thing is about money. If you're in this business of saving lives and you are really intent on helping young people, you realize soon enough that this is a money-making business. A lot of the organizations, a lot of the posts, a lot of the titles came about on the back of creating these gangs and creating this whole knife crime uh, this epidemic and all this kind of stuff when they're not focused on the mindset and the problem. They're focused on using the word knife crime. They're focused on using the word black on black. They're focused on using the word uh, um, all these negative gangs. They're focused on using these words because these words are going to allow us to create new posts, going to allow us to have new funding, going to allow us to do all these things. But what are these things doing? What are the results of these things? You've got probation dealing with it. You've got you've got youth offending teams dealing with it. You've got all these organisations. You've got special gangs team. But I've been in there. I've worked in the organisation. That's why I run the Kyan Prince Foundation because I've seen you guys are jokers. You get all the money. You get all the funding. It's set for you. But the people that get real results, that really know how to engage with the young people and change their lives by getting into their lives, finding out what's the real problems that's making you angry. 
What's making you act like this? Join these individuals that are acting like this. And then once you begin to find that and you get trust, you, you form a bond and build relationships and they understand that you care about them and want to take them from this point and, and, and instill belief and self-esteem and self-identity and you develop this individual, they can realize, wow, this guy's right. All of these things are inside of me. It's our job to instill things in our young people. How can we stand back and blame the youths? They did not bring up themselves. They were yeah. brought up. Yeah. So, so it's like the manager blaming all his ballers and saying, hey, I've done my bit. No, mate, we have to come to you. You're the point of call. Mm. You can't go to the players. They have to take responsibility for how they play, but we've got to look at your strategy. How come they're playing like this? And we have to go back to what, what's the government's responsibility? What was their strategy? I'll tell you what their strategy was. Their strategy was to break down the fabric of the family. Their, their strategy was to take away the power from parents, take away the power from, from authority figures and give it to the child. Their, their strategy was all wrong. So you have to reap what you sow. So what you're getting now is parents scared to tell their kids something and the kids empowered thinking you can't tell me nothing. Yeah. What you get is children at schools thinking that they can behave how they want because they feel like the superpower. They feel like the authority. So you've, you've swapped, you've switched the ball game. And in the narrative, how the media are expressing and talking about knife crime, that's another problem. You're not talking about it right. You are spreading propaganda and making people believe that this is a black issue and not a mindset issue. Because when you go to Liverpool and you go to Scotland, where's your black issue? What do you call all the white guys in Scotland stabbing each other? What have you given? Have you tagged them? No, you haven't. So we got to understand the narrative and what's going on with the media here. And and there's a there's it's, it's messy. Trust me, I've been in this a hundred percent since Cayenne and I've learned so much and this is a messy area that we're in all well, layers well um to, to what extent obviously you know you, you remember you telling me before you've been out in the car where you've seen sort of kids say one o'clock in the morning or two and you sort of pulled up and go what's you know what are you doing what's going on here and that's uh, right and so the, the question is where are those parents yeah, of go. those people you know uh, what part are they playing in, in their lives how come they're allowing out like an eight-year-old kid on the street at two in the morning Exactly right. And then, and then what do we do? What do we do? We just look. Why can't we stop? Why can't we have a chat? What's going on, little man? How you doing? How come you're out at this time? Who's looking out for you? Just being nice. It's yeah. like if the police would come up to young people and say, listen, guys, um, you know there's a lot of knife crime, a lot of guys throwing acid and doing a lot of bad things. We're doing our job. We're making sure our community is safe. So we're not trying to pick on you. We just want to make sure that we're searching everyone, make sure everyone's well. This is how you approach, this how you approach your community. You're working. You're a service to us. So stop being the power over us and act like you are serving us. That's what you were sworn in to do, to serve the people. So stop bullying and, and overpowering the people and start serving the people. And that will build trust and that people won't have such a negative attitude about the police. If every time they encounter them, the police showed a level of respect to every citizen that's there. Because that citizen's a part of making that, that policeman's wages get paid to him every month.
It's an interesting one because I remember when I, I grew up in um, Westburn Park when I came from Belfast, yeah. which I never mentioned, by the way, no, for no, anyone who's listening to the podcast. No, no. That's and a revelation, that is, Paul. I'll tell you what, <laughs> this is, this is earth-shattering. And I kind of grew up in a... It, Belfast wasn't nice. I'm yeah. going to be honest, it was, it was horrible. Some things that went on were just disgusting. Um, but generally good people came out. If I had been out causing trouble, my mum would have killed me. Do you know what I mean? It's, it, it was the discipline was my mum. Yep. Do you know? What I mean? It's like I would have done anything. I'd have been punched in the face. I'd have been taken down somewhere and walked around thirty-five million times and yeah, got cool. fit, rather than going back to mum and going. I once. This is true. Yep. I, not many people know this. It's a revelation from Finnish childhood, which is I shoplifted, right? <laughs> and I shoplifted at a skiller for electric kettle. We didn't have an electric kettle, but I just picked it up. Because I thought, well, this is a good... My mum made me march back to the shop. Beautiful. Apologise for it. Pay the man, because I wrecked a wrapping. Wow. And that came out of my pocket money for two weeks. I was devastated. Every time I walked past that shop, he was like, here's a brush, sweep. You should not have done that. What a lesson. And I learned then, I never stole anything in my life. And the, and the trouble is that when you come... I, I've been to job interviews in my life where I've said I'm from an estate. And immediately, I've just seen the pen go down. Do you know what I mean? You're judged from where you come from. And the only time that I always felt you'd accept it from a working class, poor community, which governments and councils, Labour, Tory, Liberal, ignore because we don't matter. We want to, they want to develop an underclass. The only time they're interested in you if you can kick a football. Do you know what I mean? If you can kick a football... And, I, and I've often had... This is what I want to talk to you about as well, Mark. I've often had this argument because I... You know, from my childhood, growing up in the States and everything else, boxing, you meet kind of people who mean well, and they do mean well, because they worry about the kids' safety because of the boxing, the punching, and what it does to their brain. My argument to that has always been, it disciplines, it learns. I, I work opposite Finchley Gym where AJ yep. learned. I see the girls and the boys from 8 to 23 running around off the streets training and I'm thinking, well, yeah, it's not brilliant. We all know about brain damage, football, boxing, whatever. But these kids are being taken away and disciplined by people who work for nothing. Mm-hmm. There is no budget. You know, a heart costs nothing. And I sometimes think that, you know, everything now, these days, you know what it's like, Mark, everything suddenly seems to build. You, you fix a pothole, that costs 10 grand. It used to be you employ someone who got them down the road to fix potholes. There's two emphasis on money. You're right. But also... We're forgotten, and people didn't care. How do we then get these kids to realise they're valued and they are loved? Okay, leadership's really, really important, and I'm going to go back to leadership again. So, in every area of this problem, it's about taking responsibility. So, you gave an example about parents, and I'll elaborate on that. Nowadays, parents aren't really doing that, or there's not many parents doing that. But back in the day, it was like that was the general consensus in your community that that's what parents done nowadays it's split and there's a lot of parents who know where you getting those trainers i didn't buy them for you the the, the kid will the, the child will come home and put some money down on the table instead of questioning him they're taking it because boy he's bringing home some money this is the world that i understand because i'm working with these young people so this is why i understand what's going on with the parents so there's a shift in dynamics there then when we look at society in general and how they deal with us in the community when I talked about money 
I, I, I was driving my car and thinking, wait a minute, we didn't ask you as a council to make all these bicycle lanes that aren't being used. You spent months creating them, millions of pounds, and then people in your community who are paying the council their money, council tax, are saying, we want this place built for our children. That's going to cost way less than all the time you and the money you've spent to make bicycle lanes that I don't see being used by people down in the communities and the areas that much. And it's not like around here, down the highway, we see loads of bikes in it. Yeah, I almost well, got one seeing them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And about all, fifty times. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. About so, a tour de France around there. Honestly, didn't pay enough. And, so, and down <laughs> south as well. But with the areas that I'm driving around, I'm not seeing a lot of that. And I'm saying, wait a minute. The councils know that people are saying we need a place for young people, a hub. Because listen, imagine I've been in this business for how many years, and all I've been saying is I need somewhere where I can train. And, and, and develop young people's lives and maybe give them the role models, maybe give them the structure that they're not getting at home because we don't live in a perfect world. So let's create support systems for those that don't have it. Mm. And what's happening is we're being ignored. They're making sure this isn't an accident. No one's asking the right questions. How come you're not giving this organization what they need to do what they're doing they can prove that they're not trying to make money and we've got we've got charities on six figures and their ceos and founders like me they don't work like me they're behind the desk if anything they don't put in the work like i put in the work they're not having to come up with evidence-based work to show that this is what we what mm. we've come up with with young people and some you, you can't question what KPF's going to do with the money. No. Because we're using it to help young people. So why isn't all the communities giving? I'm, I'm telling them, hey, give £2 a month. You know, if 100,000 people give me likes on Facebook, then that's £200,000. Yeah. And £2 is not going to cost you nothing, but it's for a problem that you said you're concerned about. You said you're concerned about your child leaving the home. What? You're not concerned enough to give £2 a month to an organisation that's working hard in as many areas as they can to make change. A lot of this don't make sense to me. That's why I'm holding... This is 2018. My son is the anniversary on the 18th of May of his death. I'm calling out everybody. I'm saying enough of the bullshit. Let's start keeping it real. Let's take responsibility. What are you doing? I'm calling out AJ. I'm calling out all the boxers, all the brand name fighters. I'm calling out athletes. I'm calling out musicians. What are you doing to do something? Or are you just loving your position, quote unquote, celebrity position? And then, and then when you get a little uh, a, a point to be able to look like you're doing well, taking pictures, do, yeah. Is this guy doing something to do with knife crime? But you're not really getting your hands dirty. You're not really doing anything. And you're not really giving anything. You're just in front of the camera next to someone who's doing something. Uh, lately, I heard about Knife Angel. Now, I've got, to, I've got to slay Knife Angel right down to the ground. Knife Angel, are you taking a piss, man? You've come along. Your contribution to our children dying on the streets is to make knives into the shape of a, a winged being 
and say that this is to um, commemorate the lives of all the children that are lost by showing the same lives that killed me. No, no, no. What you're doing is riding off the current issue that's going on and getting your face in the camera. Get your hands dirty, my friend. Forget this knife engine. Anyone that jumps on that is doing the same thing, getting their moment and using the situation. Because that's all I see, I see a lot of that. People using this to have their moment of fame, so to speak, their moment until they've done it with me with the Noel Edmonds show. Guys, come on the show. We're going to help. Mr. Prince, we're going to give him business acumen, we're going to give him the top PR, all these organisations come psychologists, and I'm thinking this is amazing they're going to help me next minute, where the hell are you? Do you know what I'm saying? What's Mm. your plan? What's your strategy? What did you have in mind when you came on the show? You must have known it was me and what you were going to do to add to KPF to build us, what is it? Nothing this is this is this is a dark place, a dark road I've travelled. Trust me. Right. Just just to sort of say one, one of the things I remember, Mark, we we discussed because obviously you um you, you were at the peak of, uh, of sport. You know, you challenged for a world title. Yeah. You had uh, Vladimir Klitschko and Ricky Hatton on your undercard. That's how yeah. big your you know your, your your boxing match was. Now, yeah. at the time, I remember us discussing how you were talking about the impact of sport with um with yourself you know as you said before you know you were going for a very bad patchy life and boxing the discipline of boxing sorted you out and i remember jimmy tibbs once saying to me in his book referring to canning town he said you do one or two things around there you kick a ball or you learn it out of box the other alternative being you'll end up behind bars and that was it so in the current day and age um it doesn't mean to say that you know everyone's going to evolve from an area which is going to be um giving you ultimatums as tough as that however um, it's all about the discipline. So you're sticking in, whether it be boxing, whether it be football, even, for example, say the Tennis Foundation. Um, you can pick up a tennis racket for 99p off, um, off eBay, go along to a session, a lot of them are subsidised, and it's a discipline of sticking with a course for a certain amount of time. Boxing requires skill. Mark will be the first one to tell you that a lot of people go into a ring thinking, I'm the tough man, I'm going to go and knock some people out. And you'll get some guy in there who's eight stone who runs circles around you and make you come out with a bloody nose. Exactly. And you can be 20 stone. That was your man that hit me. God. That was the one that got you, Paul. Right, okay. We're going to send Mark to sort him out. So, uh, the but, thing... Yeah. Well, can I... I want to, yeah, I want to ask this because I know time's reasonably short. Yeah. You said at the time that you forgave the person that, that killed your son and you so, wanted him to... You, you would see success as him becoming involved in the foundation. Oh, of course. Wow. We were, we were talking before. Yeah. You're a bigger man... Definitely. Than both of us, because we couldn't, we couldn't have done that if someone had done that to our family. So how, how do you, how do you do that? I'd be with side with a shotgun. Because um, I made a, I made a choice. I made a decision to to walk the walk, uh, not just talk the talk. Um, and 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 what happened before that went down? I began to speak to my creator, speak because we're all created. You know, the table is the mic. It's all got its creator and a name behind it. So how can I be taught that there's no one that created me and I just came about? So I began to speak to my creator, and I was taught that I needed to love and forgive, and this was the power. This was the power that makes change. And, and my anger and my, and my revenge, this wouldn't do anything. This would actually ruin everything. And this would start a cycle for other people that looked up to you and you'd gone through your life. So I felt that 
I couldn't teach my son one thing that he needed to be good and have integrity and be loving and forgiving. And then just because someone's killed him, I've thrown all that out of the window and I'm going to take a different road. So it came to a point on the journey where I had to make a decision. And it was follow my emotions or follow what I believed was the right thing to do. And that was, it was literally that simple. It was the power of choice. And this is what I'm always teaching young people. You have the choice to change your truth. Because I get kids talking to me about, yeah, but I'm, I'm being honest. I'm telling you the truth. I said, yeah, I know you are. And that's great. But that's one point. That's not a full stop and it's over. That's a comma. Yeah, I'm telling you the truth. This is my truth. But I can change this. And you can write in the what you want it to be. It's the same thing I said to Kyan. Son, look at your life like an open page. A page in a book that you can write your story in. Whatever you want to go through and experience. You want to be a top businessman. You want to be the best at football. Whatever it is, write it in your book. This is what you believe and what you see. Because mm. people have got this mindset of seeing is believing. I don't have that mindset. My mindset is believing, is seeing. Because I was a smoking, messed up you on the roads doing crime. I didn't see how I could become a champion. I didn't see that. But I believed it. And my belief allowed me to see it. So believing is seeing. And this is what I put into the young people. And this is what changes their lives because I've got to understand their belief system first. If they just believe that teachers don't like them, and this is what I get a lot of from you, oh, teachers, they don't like me, they always put against me. If you keep that belief, there's about how good I teach you or what we've done during our session, you are going to revert back to being you and thinking, why do I act like this? It's because of your beliefs. Because of your belief system, you're not going to change anything in someone until you change what they believe. And this is what I work on with young people. And the time that I work with them is changing their belief systems. And we start allowing them to introduce, how can we, what can you try? What can you try to introduce in your life that you can believe in, that you can start embracing this and seeing the results of this as you now believe in this new way of thinking? That teachers are just doing their job and they've got all types of difficult kids to deal with and, and, and it's a hard job to do. Mm. And teachers are normal human beings with moods. They might not have enough sleep the night, might bark at a kid. They're just human beings. So, so if we introduce this new way of thinking, you start seeing some changes in them. Mm. And that's what happened to me. I started to believe that I could be a champion. So I got up and the belief made me act different. This is what made me get up and train. This is what made me go against Watson. This is what made me work so hard because the belief changed my actions. But before, the reason why I was out there doing crime is because I honestly didn't believe I could make it out there in the real world. Mm. I didn't come out of school with nothing. Okay? So... How was I going to be in a suit and go into an office and get a top job and earn thousands? So I believe what the streets told me. That's why we have this prisoner to the street mentality because you are prisoner to what you believe in. And this is why I understand the young people 
Because once you understand the problem, it doesn't matter how bad and what you do, once you could start helping them to understand how they're thinking, now you can make change. Mm. And as long as you get them to see that, listen, my friend, you have greatness lying within you, despite the fact that you're doing these things, greatness lying within Let me empower you and guide you to get there and have a strategy to show you how to get there. And that's all I've been trying to build with KPF. Mark, can I ask you a, a, a question here? Because um, there's going to be people listening. There's going to be yeah. maybe some people listening might even be carrying a knife. So no if, if there's a message you could put out right now to anyone carrying a knife mm-hmm. right this very moment, yeah. what is it? I would ask one simple question. What do you want? The problem we have is the questions that we ask ourselves. What do you want, man? You want to be in prison? You want to waste your whole life? And I'll guarantee you, 99.9% of those young people will tell you, no way. When they're emotional and they're angry, they'll say, I don't give a once you get them to have a talk, they'll say, I want to do something with my life. I want to be someone because it's all in us. So I would just ask you, what do you want? I ain't telling you anything. Our problem is we, we, we teach kids what to learn when we need to teach them how to learn. Now, now they've got skills. Because now they can take those skills and that strategy what you've given them about how to learn and they can apply it to anything it is that they love. And now they can become great at it. But when you just teach them what to learn, that's it. That's why all the kids are coming out. And by the time they're at a certain age, they have, they're in debt from going to uni and going to all these places. But next minute you see them in McDonald's. Mm. Haven't gone nowhere. The, the, whole, the whole education system is flawed. There, there was. Uh, I remember you telling me about there was a certain way you put it in terms of if you're carrying a knife, that a lot of people carry it for their own um, sense of, own sense of security and protection, but yeah. have no intention of using it. But you've always said to me that with the people you've spoken to, that one day you're going to be in a situation that you're going to feel threatened, and that knife's going to call you. It's going to go, "Hey, hey, I'm here. I'm in the pocket. Literally, pull me out." That's and, how it feels. And everyone that you've spoken to, from what I can understand, in the early days they've got it. Most of them are thinking, no, "I've just got it, so I've got it." never really thinking about getting to a point where they're going to actually stab someone. But it will call you, I believe. Is that correct? Trust me, my friend. How can you have a knife on you and you get into a situation? It, to me, it's almost like that knife literally says, remember me? I can sort this out for you. Mm. You are not going to leave that knife out when there is pressure and when there is a situation that arises, that makes your adrenaline start flowing. You're going to take that knife out. That's why carrying the knife makes you a potential killer. Not carrying it, you don't have that chance to be. So what I'm saying to everyone out there, don't put yourself in it. Because we all know, to even have the chance to win anything, you've got to be in it to win it. So don't put yourself in it because you won't win nothing with this one. There's nothing to win here. There's everything to destroy here. The most valuable thing that you have, you've picked up the knife and said, I'm going to take the risk and destroy the most valuable thing I have, which is my life. And I'm going to gamble with it on the pretense that this is my protection, 
No, my friend. I've got guys that I've invited in KPF that are there because they've just come out from prison doing 14, 15 years and they said that wasn't even my knife. Something happened, altercation. The guy had the knife. I ended up stabbing him with his knife. There's so many stories of things going wrong. So it doesn't, it doesn't mean that just because you've got it, it's going to go the way you think it's going to go. I got one of my mates, someone pulled a knife, he grabbed it by the blade, mate, and dragged it out of the guy, pulled it out of the guy's hand by the blade. Jeez. You don't know how things are going to go. There's some serious people out there with different mindsets than yours. Some people that don't, don't care whether they live or die. So we have to ask ourselves that question. What do you want? And then when you answer that question, I want to live. I want to have a good life. Then that makes you act different. Because that's basically your belief. That I value my life now. And I value other people's lives. And that will have an impact on your community. Don't carry the knife. Don't do the crime. Nah. nah. As simple as that. Leave it out. Right, Mark. We, after that, which, I've got to be honest with you, this is possibly one of the most inspiring podcasts I've ever done. And I've been doing this for seven years. It's been a wee bit of laughter, a wee bit yep. of tears. Yep. But you're inspirational, and thank you so much for coming on. And oh, forgive us for two, two minutes just talking about the game on Saturday, which is... No, man, that's important. Is as important or that's important, anything man, because you've we, been saying. Listen, we got the fun side of life, man, and it's fun. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. What I like about Rangers... We still talk about QPR here? Yeah, we're talking about QPR. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, you know, QPR is a family. I see them like a family football team. When, I, when we go there and I bring my family there, we have a good time. You know, I would like to bring my boys there. I'll phone up Andy. We, they, they always try and look after us and make sure... Andy's a got, great man. Yeah, we we got somewhere to, to be relaxed. And, but we like being with... We like being with the fans, you know. Sometimes we get invited to be in the box, and now there's no fun in the box. You know, who wants to feel like, "Ooh, I'm in the box." You want to be on the yeah, pitch, no, Mark, centre forward, mate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, next time, come and sit with us, and we'll yeah. have a crack. And um, you can hear me whinge. I never swear, Mark. <laughs> it's my twin brother Alfred behind me in the same accent who does these things. Um, Saturday, Paul, you're Rangers, right? Yeah. You're from acting. Yeah. Kind of don't like losing the Brentford, do we? It's are we, are we being snobby about this, or is it? No, it's it, nice. It's it's never nice to losing your doorstep. It's uh, yeah. at least if you if you're losing to say West Ham or something, the other side of London, you can you you got a distance you can run away from at least, you know. So um, yeah, Brentford's just that close to home. It becomes uncomfortable. Uh, maybe it's the case also that you know in years gone we've kind of been. Uh, I guess above them in the league tables but we've got to face reality Brentford have turned themselves into a cracking team and uh, they've become a real force to contend with you know it's, it's almost horrible to say that on a QPR podcast but um, you know they, they had a tiny little club a tiny little stadium about you know, about a quarter the size of QPRs and they, they built themselves up but um, we, we need to win this one you know we, we had a lovely stretch about a month where we were doing so well and we've got back to old ways where as Colin was saying before we take a lead and we throw it away you know, we, we should be locking things down. If, if the intention is to take away five players who were instrumental in a win from the game before, then it should also be a plan B there that if we are going to score one goal and then go on lockdown, that we have the players who can actually help with that lockdown. And we didn't have that. I mean, there's been some revelations from the likes of uh, Massimo Luongo. 
you know, he didn't score for about three years, and then he scores about sort of five times. It's, uh, mm. where, where did that come from? You know, what, what happened to him? Did he like St. Paul on the road to Damascus? Did he see the light or something? I don't know. But he suddenly came out with some incredible stuff. But this Saturday, we need to win. No ifs or buts about it. They need to come out with the full lion mentality. They need to go oh, out yeah. and do it, you know? Good man. And what's your prediction then? <laughs> I'm going to go for 2-1 Rangers. Okay. Ready? What, what's he going to take? for Rangers to win well Brentford attack wide and defend narrow and that's been good enough to outplay us the last three times we've played them so and any three player sent off as well (laughs) just can we do it Clive Uh, probably not this time Um, I mean there's a lot riding on it for them and they're they're a very good side you know you saw what we were like on Saturday depends what team he's going to put out you know can't lose again Here's well, a question if we play like we played at Villa and Fulham, then we won't lose. Colin, here's he, a question you for you. see how we... Uh, um, it's Clive. It's like Clive, <laughs> Clive, like sorry, sorry. Colin's a much better... Do you think Co- Colin's, just actually, like Colin's Mark's uh, smaller brother, who, yeah. for the uh, record, is not that small. Yeah, he's not um, smaller brother. <laughs> no, he's, he's not. He's younger brother. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he's younger. And Does he look like Clive? No. No one deserves it. Unless Clive was a former World Kitboxing champion. That I'd like to say. No So, Clive, if the same team identical team that was playing against Sheffield Wednesday comes out that identical lineup can that beat Brentford yeah yeah it can cool. um, whether it will or not <laughs> I'm, just... take, I'm taking what you just said there and running with it you know what I mean yeah I mean we, what we can, can you we say can they're, they're, they're a good team it's a, it's a difficult game they attack wide and defend narrow and we haven't coped with that very yeah. well so hopefully it'll be a little bit more than you know when he's talking about oh we're going to run around after them and why make them do all that? sorts of things I why mean that's not that? that's not helpful really we've got we've got yeah. a better plan why than we're going to run around after them side to sports I think it's killed my I, I, I think I think sports might be missing a trick Go on. I remember when QPR rang me up and asked me to work with Ray. Um, God rest his soul. Yeah, um, to to because they knew that I had that understanding and ability to put some venom in him. Mm. That fighting spirit, that winning mentality, just strengthen up his mind a bit. And um, I think that's really important. Um, and maybe QPR might want to holler at me and let me have an hour session with the boys, training, focusing on mindset, hunger, drive, winning mentality. What about a 10-minute session doing in between a... the half? <laughs> <laughs> we normally do an hour's end of the show, and I'm going to come back to you in a wee second, Mark. I want to step if, on the if, manager's toes. If you, were, if you were in the change room on Saturday, yeah. uh, let me explain this to you. Uh, I'm not being patronising the Brentford and I'm aware of time Neil we'll get this done as quickly as possible I do promise there are a wee club of Middlesex who are punching us and that wee midfielder that please play for Yeovil gets in my nerves because he's quite a good player <laughs> and they're scouting th- really things well and they're kicking our arses and we kind of look down on them but if you were to say to the QPR players to go out on Saturday and be inspired how would you do that? Um, I think I'd have to actually get a feel of the players I'm always working off people's energy and where they are and then from that comes my energy to understand what I need to say to these players so for me to sit out I'd give you some spiel that would sound good and be able to just you know sound quote motivational but really on the day 
I would need to actually feel the energy of where these guys are. Is it because they are just having their heads down? Is it because they're not fighting hard enough and they're not trying to win? What did all these different dynamics would allow me to approach the situation differently? See, my team talk with please don't lose, you'll make me cry. <laughs> you don't think that's a winner? No? Okay. Close. <laughs> I mean, everything seems so irrelevant after what we've uh, yeah, we've been discussing. So so. It's difficult, isn't it? Um, I mean, I had this rant on your show after the last game of last season, so I'm going to yeah, that's yeah, that's unusual, isn't it? I'm going to do it before the last game. So we've got Birmingham next week after Brentford. Uh, Birmingham is often a high-profile police game at Loftus Road anyway with the uh, the travelling support that they bring and they're obviously in a relegation battle so it's going to be a high profile game mm. the club are being hammered from what I gather by the local authority and the police about the pitch invasion at the end um, it's not a tradition I remember many years where we didn't all have to run on the pitch at the end it's not for the kids mm. it's, you see Loads of blokes that should know better. People older than me. Some of them, you know, give it some. particularly brave, go up to the away end and give it the big and, um, you know, and generally that, that you know, we can all, we can all have a laugh about it and whatever. And they make those announcements and everyone cheers and everyone ignores it. They're being hammered this time. They're being threatened with a big fine, uh, which when we talk about the budget over the summer is not ideal. We don't want to be shelling out money to local authority fines. We want to be spending it on the pitch where it's needed. And they're also talking about reducing the capacity for the last home game of next season. So if you imagine going into that and we need a win to stay up or we need a win to get in the playoffs, you don't want a situation where the front three rows of all the stands are fenced off, people are being moved out of their season ticket seats. It's draconian, it's horrible, you know, killjoy, whatever you want to say, jobs worth. But that's the situation as it is. They're hammering the club. Don't go on the pitch after the Birmingham game. It won't kill you. You know, you don't have to be there. It's not a tradition. Just stay off. Just, you know, let the club, give the club half a chance here because they don't want to be spending money on that. They've got enough problems at FFP breathing down our necks. Yeah, we don't need to be giving £50,000 to the local authority because some Herbert wants to go and ruffle Jamie Mackey's hair, do we? We finished 15th as well. It makes us look muggy running on the pitch to celebrate a 15th so place finish. Would you say don't be embiddled, stay off the pitch and applaud the players as they come around the pitch? I'm not even bothered about applauding the players. I mean, that's an incentive to some. I'm just, you know, practically, we don't want the last game of next season to have a reduced capacity and we don't want the club to have to shell out on a fine. So just don't go on the pitch. There's no need. Would it be don't be a knob, stay on your seat? And you can do the marketing. Excellent. <laughs> right. My R's end is pretty straightforward, pretty quick, and thank goodness, Neil, it'll be qu- pretty short. A fellow walks up to me last week, um, I think it's called uh, O'Leary. This isn't a short start. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, he comes up, he goes, um, I'd like to thank you, you get me through all my admin shit, because I have no reason what he meant by that. I asked him his name, he said O'Leary, and I thought, ah, there you go. So thank you for that. I'm pleased I can help people get through admin, which... <laughs> Being dyslexic is the first time I've ever thought I'd say that, but there you go. The other thing is, I would also like to, in a serious way, thank Andy Sinton, Andy Evans, Ian Taylor, Lee Hughes, Les Ferdinand, for the... What? (laughs) Sorry, that was my phone speaking to me, by the way. Um, For Grenfell, well-deserved award, well-deserved community work by QPR... Yeah, we're a football club on Saturdays and Tuesdays. 
and sometimes in cup matches. But you know what? We're a freaking good family when we come together. That's right. And respect to every single one of you guys. You pull something together, yeah. so tragic, so horrible, and you made a difference. And that's what our football club is about. Yeah. And with that in mind, Paul, brilliant. Thank you so much for coming into our podcast. Um, please come back again. I'd love to. Thank you so much to, to, to you guys. Thank you to, to QPR. Thanks to uh, the QPR family. It's supporting Mark, especially in his family. How yeah. do I buy the book? Um, jump onto Amazon or go to Waterstones WH Smiths mm-hmm. it's, it's in all the shops so um, yeah if you go on Amazon at the moment I think it's on about 20 odd percent discount so uh, nice. grab it while you can so Make yeah a difference it, it's, a, it's a harrowing story but it's got some real laughs in there as well but it, it's it's a phenomenal read it really is my friend went in WH Smith she called me said what's the name of your book what's the name of your book so I said Prince of Peace she's like oh that's why I couldn't find it I told him Mark Prince <laughs> <laughs> so, so she, I'm listening to her and she's asking and the guy goes oh yeah 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 we've got that so he goes and goes oh shit it's sold out yeah. so I'm like yes get <laughs> in yeah, I like that problem so I'm like oh babe sorry you're going to have to go on Amazon or just wait for him to, to order it for you do you know what I mean but I'd like to thank Andy Evans he, he's, he's been awesome man he's, he's such a great point of call he's, he's always so open and everyone else down at QPR that's um, supported and helped us in any way. I came in, you know, I've done the book signing recently and um, <clears throat> and I'm really grateful for the people that bought the book <clears throat> and supported us. And I just, as I say again, QPR fans, get out there. We've got a team of people working behind me that's setting things up where when you buy the book um, online, it's going to be able to go, the money can go to KPF as well. So um, we're setting that up. Um, as I speak here and now. You will always have a chair at this podcast, Mark. Awesome, For man. many reasons. We can talk boxing, we can talk football, we can talk life. But yeah, you make yeah, a difference, yeah. big man. And um, awesome. I'm seeing Sadiq Khan tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, going down his office, the deputy mayor, and, and like most people are like, yeah, we're going to see Sadiq Khan down City Hall. But I don't muck around. I don't get, I don't get excited and gassed about meeting people. I get excited about meeting passionate people that want to make change and, 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 are, and are people of their word. He made promises. He said a lot of things. So let's deliver. And if you can't, let me at least deliver on my part because I'm not trying to be in a political uh, circus. I'm not trying to... There's no gains in it for me apart from seeing actual knife crime be reduced. And I can give him a 10-year plan because that's what this is going to take. Everyone's thinking, oh, let's get this quickly done. No, there's a 10-year plan, and it's based on prevention. And you know what? Kick his arse and tell him the truth. London needs it. Clive, do you know what? Thanks, mate. It's been emotional. It's been one of the... Do you know I think it's been one of the best podcasts we've done? And I'm not saying that because I take any glory in that. I don't. (laughs) I, I just mark Paul. Wow. Just wow. I'll end this podcast by dedicating it to Kayan Prince. Then, now, always, QPR. Thank you for listening to our podcast. God bless. Class. QPR. QPR. This one ranges on.